All right, so we're going to be talking about culture. And we talk a lot about culture, so this is not new, but I'm going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle uh, than we typically would. And I want to talk about understanding culture. We're going to talk about attributes of culture. We're going to, we're going to kind of break down some culture. We're going to rate ourselves in, in culture. Uh, but I, want, I really feel that this is a really key time for us, again, to relook at culture because having gone through the pandemic, one of the things that drifts so quickly through change is culture, right? Culture can get, it can drift. And then we've had a number of, you know, volunteers, leaders, different things that have gone away through the pandemic or aren't as reliable as they once were. We have a whole bunch of new faces coming in. And so when you have replacement like that or new faces coming in, you know, we're training people every single week, uh, like Anna said, but we're, we have new faces coming in every single week. The easiest thing to do is new faces come in, they bring their own culture. So how do we graph them into culture? How do we do this? And so I think it's a really key time for us to talk about culture. So in your notes, understanding culture. Let's break it down as simply as we possibly can. Understanding culture. Culture can be defined by beliefs and values. Okay, so culture can be defined by beliefs, what you believe, what you value. What is most important to you? Culture can be defined by that. But it is shaped by attitudes and behaviors. So it can be defined by beliefs and values, but it is shaped by attitudes and behaviors. Okay, Vision can be defined by beliefs, where we're going and all of that. Culture can be defined in saying this is our culture code, this is, our, this is what we believe that our culture should be. You can define it. But really, culture is shaped by attitudes and behaviors. In other words, you can't just believe what is hanging on the wall if the behavior and the attitudes don't match. Right? It's going to be, it's, it's really, it, it can be defined by what's on the wall, but it's really going to be shaped by the attitudes and the actual behaviors. So in that behavior thing, culture defines what is encouraged and discouraged. Okay, so culture, again, defined is defined and, and behaviors are defined by what is encouraged and what is discouraged. Okay, what is accepted or rejected. Okay, so you will, what gets rewarded gets repeated. Right, so if you see if you see good things and you're, you're you're accepting that, if you see good things, you're encouraging that. What is encouraged? Behaviors that are encouraged, attitudes that are encouraged. That is going to define culture. Attitudes that are discouraged, and at you know behaviors that are discouraged, is going to again define culture. So a lot of really, a lot of what culture is, and trying to just pin it down as nitty gritty, all the rest of it. It is behaviors and attitudes, but really, if you're to sum it all up, I love what Pastor Kevin, how he sums it up, Pastor Kevin Gerald, he says it this way, that it's basically culture defined is it's how, it's what we do around here. It's how things are around here. If you want to easily define it, it's just like, it's what we do around here. This, well, that's the way we do it around here. Well, we do it this way around here. And it, whenever you use that statement, that's a culture statement, right? You can see that, well, you know, in a home, well, that's just the way we are. That's just what we do around here. That's the culture of the home. In the church, well, it's just the way we are. 
We're passionate. It's the way we are. It's just what we do around here. We're, we're this. You know, whatever that is, however you find it, that's, that's culture defined. So that's understanding it, that's kind of getting the nitty gritty. So let's break that down into attributes now. So there's four real attributes about culture. And some of this came from a great article I read in the Harvard Business Review on, on culture. But I love how they described these attributes um, in particular, this first one really stood out to me is that culture is shared. And this is, what I, this is what I love about this idea is that culture is a group phenomena. In other words, it cannot exist solely within a person. Like you don't have a culture just by with one person doesn't have a culture. So it ha- it's a group phenomena. So it cannot exist solely within a single person, nor is it simply the average of individual characteristics. It resides in shared behaviors, shared values, shared assumptions, and is most commonly experienced through the norms and the expectations of a group. That is is the unwritten rules. Okay, so it's, it's, the, you know, it's the shared experience, the common experiences, shared norms, expectations of a group, the unwritten rules. Okay, so culture is shared. Right, so that's the behavior of the whole. So, you know, this, that is important to know. The second attribute of culture is culture is pervasive. Okay, culture is pervasive. Culture permeates multiple levels and applies very broadly in an organization. Okay, so it's, it's pervasive. It, it permeates multiple levels. It is manifest in collective behaviors, physical environments, group rituals, visible symbols, stories, and legends. Okay, so it's very pervasive. So what I mean by that an easy example of pervasive and it's everywhere is there is a very pervasive um, culture in Starbucks versus the very pervasive culture in Tim Hortons, right? So everything, and they're very different, and they're very different on purpose. And not one, I mean, each one has an opinion. The reason I bring those up, everyone has an opinion of which one is right and which one is not. Right, but neither one, I mean, they're both very successful organizations, and, but they're very pervasive in the fact that you can go to any Starbucks around the world and you will experience the same behaviors, the same environments, the same, the, you know, you can pretty much predict what is the layout's going to be, what the environment's going to be, what the attitude's going to be. You can pretty much predict wherever I've been. I've been in Starbucks. I've been at Starbucks in China and I was shocked that it was the same. Like I've been to Starbucks all over the place. I've also been to Tim Hortons in Manila, Philippines, which is a miracle that I, it was that or Jollibee. So like, I was like, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Um, But it's, but I mean, so Tim Hortons around the world too. And you know what? It was eerily similar. Unfortunately. I mean, I mean, it's pervasive. Not that I have any opinions. One or the other, but other aspects of culture are unseen, such as mindsets, motivations, unspoken assumptions. David Rook and, and William 
Torbert referred to this as action logics. Okay, so action logics are mental models of how to interpret and respond to the world around you. So culture is pervasive. So I love that because it's an action, uh, an action logic is that, I like this, we're going we're gonna to pull that one apart a little bit more in, in a few moments. But I like that, that word, respond to the world around you. Because a lot of culture, really, in the real culture, is a response to the world around you. It's the attitude and the behaviors in a response to the world around you. Okay, and so that, and, and you can, again, culture happens by default or by design. Okay, um, and we have, this is why we're so passionate about, we want to design, you know, culture. We want to design things. And we are, one of our culture codes has been we lead with vision as opposed to reaction. Right, and that is huge. Not, not just in something that we hang on the wall, but that is huge in our response to the world around us. That was a guiding principle for me. That culture was a guiding principle for me for how we led through the pandemic. Is that we could react and very quickly everything around us was reacting and we could react and a lot of churches and a lot of organizations reacted and made changes and made switch changes. But the, re- the way that we did it is multiple times I was like, no, we lead with vision, not reaction. We, lead with re- we'll re- we have to do some reaction, but we're going to lead with vision and not with reaction because that's the culture because culture is pervasive. All right. Number three, culture is enduring. Culture is enduring. So culture can direct the thoughts and actions of group members over the long term. It develops through critical events in the collective life and learning of a group. Its endurance is explained by the fact that people are drawn to organizations with characteristics similar to their own. Okay, Organizations are more likely to select individuals who seem to fit in. Okay, they, they seem to fit. And over time, those who don't fit in tend to leave. In fact, the healthier your culture, the more repulsive it's going to be to the wrong people. Right? It, and, that, and sometimes we get insecure about that, that people don't fit in. But sometimes that is the healthiest thing for an organization is that people come in because the culture is so strong, they're like, I just, don't, I just don't fit here. And sometimes as leaders come on in the church world, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes people are a blessing when they come. Sometimes people are a blessing when they go. Right? So, so the stronger the culture, the more, and when you say something, I just feel like I fit in this organization. I just feel like I fit in this job. I just feel like I fit in this church. You hear that kind of thing? They're referring to, that enduring thing, that culture, they're sensing culture and they're sensing that it's similar to what they, how their culture. So this, thus culture becomes a self-reinforcing social pattern that grows increasingly resistant to change and outside influences. Okay, not always good. Sometimes that's good. But we don't want to get such a strong culture that we completely shut off outside influences, right? Because that's when you get into error. It's easy to go off a cliff if you stop listening to somebody with a different opinion. But culturally, culture is enduring. Number four, culture is implicit. Culture is implicit. An important and often overlooked aspect of culture is that despite its subliminal nature, 
people are effectively hardwired to recognize and respond to it instinctively. It acts as a kind of silent language. Okay, so culture kind of acts like it's just this, the feeling you get. It's, it, it just, it acts as the silent language. Okay, when I bring up Starbucks and, and Tim Hortons, the feeling you get in each one of those you know, restaurants is different. The feeling you get from the keg to McDonald's is different. Right? And the clientele from Starbucks and, and you know, when you can immediately you're imagining who's sitting there and what computer is open. <laughs> right? It's the Apple convention at Starbucks, right? Then you go to, then you go to Tim Hortons and the clientele and the atmosphere and everything is different. The feeling you get is, is different. Okay? And that's, that's on purpose. You know what I mean? Howard Schultz said this when he designed Starbucks. He wanted, he wanted to create a, an atmosphere to stay, that people would want to stay and sit and, and, and be at, right? And, and so on, on very much on purpose, they did that. And the feeling they get is that you feel like it just feels wrong to walk in and walk out for some reason. Tim Hortons is very, very quick, right? It, the drive throughs and all the rest of it, the, the culture, they're quicker, they're very efficient, they're, it, it, but it's, the whole purpose is like in, out, go. It's different. All right, two dimensions of culture. Two dimensions of culture. Number one is people interactions. Okay, because culture is, is shaped by attitudes and behaviors, really a huge dimension of culture is people interactions. It's huge. And this one in the church world is often overlooked. For instance, let me just be really blunt for a moment. Pretty much every church on the planet has some form of signage or, or somewhere that says everyone is welcome. Pretty much every church anywhere, everyone is welcome. Okay, that is, that is the value, all the rest of it. The, it, the people interactions is going to determine whether that value is a culture or whether it is not. And many people, many people will decide not by the signage out front, they'll decide by the interactions with people. And it's not even what is, is said from stage. It's not even what's said from just the host team. It's the people interactions that happen in the parking lot, that happen in the hallways, that happen around. The people interactions really determine the culture rather than what is preached, rather than what is, what is, what is, you know, said at a leadership huddle or all the rest of it. It's the people interactions. It's the dimension of culture that is often overlooked, which is why it, this is why because we were preaching for three years here, and I, I, you know, for three years we preached. We're going to be, you know, a soul-winning church, and we're going to outwards, outward focused, and we're going to welcome everybody for three years. But for three years, and Pastor Ralph can affirm this, but I, I refused to do advertising on the tower or anywhere else. I didn't do any advertising outside, and I refused to do it. Not because I didn't believe in our church. I did. People were inviting. All this was going on. But I was paying attention to the people interactions. It wasn't what was being said from the pulpit. It wasn't whether how good the team was doing. I was paying attention to when someone walks through the door who doesn't fit in, will they be welcomed and well, how will people interact with, with the people that are going to come? That we want to say everyone, we mean everyone, we're going to pay attention to the interactions. And I'd hear stories of 
something happening in the parking lot or I'd hear stories of something happening in the hallway or all the rest of it. I was like, we're not ready yet. We're not ready yet. Right? And then when, when I felt like we made that shift, then we were like, okay, we can advertise now. We can, we can focus on all the rest of it because people, the dimension, a huge dimension of culture is the people interactions. Okay? Uh, number two is responsiveness to change. Okay, so culture, another huge dimension of culture, is the responsiveness to change. Some cultures emphasize stability. Prioritizing consistency and predictability and maintenance of the status quo. Others emphasize flexibility, adaptability, and receptiveness to change. Those that favor stability tend to follow rules, use control structures such as seniority-based staffing and reinforce hierarchy and strive for efficiency. But those in favor of flexibility tend to prioritize innovation, openness, diversity, and a longer-term orientation. So again, the type of culture, a huge dimension of the culture, is the responsiveness to change. How adaptable are we to change? Now, as for our organization, I don't think any of us are going to disagree on this. We're way on the flexible, flexible side, and we're probably like over the edge, which is why we bring in a Mitch to, to give us some more study. But so, and this, this, that is, there's, there's healthy and all this, but again, defining the culture is, is responsiveness to change. How responsive is the organization, is your team to change? Okay, that's going to define a big part of culture. All right, so eight types. I'll go through these quickly. Eight types of organizational structure. Okay, eight types of organizational structure. Now, when we go through this, I'm going to, I'm going to list them quickly, give you a brief explanation on each one. And what I want you to do is that these are eight different types. These are not, you know, not any organization, not any one team, not any one campus is going to have all eight. That's just not possible. There are some very big opposites. But what I want you to do is there's going to be one or two that are going to be like pop out and going, yeah, that's us. And there's going to be others that are going, mm, that's not us. So what I want you to do is as I go through this and explain, I want you to write on, on your notes a number out of 10, one out of 10 and going, you know, 10 being we are all this, this des describes us, you know, perfectly. One or zero being, yeah, that's not us at all. And just kind of rate them. And I, 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 at the end of this session, I want, I'm going to be curious to see um, where, if we score, where, you know, where we score in all these. All right, so eight types of organizational structure. And I love this. Harvard Business Review did all this study for years and years and years of all types of organizations, all these kinds of things, and they narrowed cultures down to eight. I was like, whoa. Yeah, you're, 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 you'll get it from the church. You'll get it from your department. Yeah, just... You'll, you'll see it. You'll sense it. You're going to sense the church from your department is, is basically how it's going to go. All right, number one, eight types of organizational structure. Number one, caring. Caring focuses on relationships and mutual trust. Work environments are warm, collaborative, welcoming places where people help and support one another. Employees are united by loyalty. Leaders emphasize sincerity, teamwork, and positive relationships. So that's caring. Okay, number two, 
is purpose. Purpose is exemplified by idealism and altruism. Work environments are tolerant, compassionate places where people try to do good for the long-term future of the world. Employees are united by a focus of, on sustainability, global communities. Leaders emphasize shared ideals and contributing to a greater cause. It's two is purpose. Number three is learning. Okay, learning. Learning is characterized by exploration, expansiveness, and creativity. Work environments are inventive and open-minded places where people spark new ideas and explore alternatives. Employees are united by curiosity. Leaders emphasize innovation, knowledge, and adventure. Okay, so that's learning. Number four is enjoyment. Enjoyment is expressed through fun and excitement. Work environments are often lighthearted places where people tend to do what makes them happy. Employees are united by playfulness and stimulation and leaders emphasize spontaneity and a sense of humor. Number five is results. Results are characterized by achievement and winning. Okay, work environments are outcome-oriented and merit-based places where people aspire to achieve top performance. Employees are united by a drive for capacity or capability and success. Leaders emphasize goal accomplishment. It's results. Number six is authority. Okay, authority is defined by strength, decisiveness, and boldness. Work environments are competitive places where people strive to gain personal advantage. Employees are united by strong control. Leaders emphasize confidence and dominance. Number seven is safety. Okay, safety is defined by planning, caution, preparedness. Work environments, I'm always laughing just talk, talking about this one because like, oh man... I didn't score myself very high on that one. Safety is defined by planning, caution, preparedness. Work environments are predictable places where people are risk conscious and think things through carefully. So sorry, Mitch. <laughs> Employees are united by a desire to feel protected and anticipate change. Um, leaders emphasize being realistic and planning ahead. Yeah. Number eight, order. Okay, order. So order is focused on respect, structure, and shared norms. Work environments are methodical places uh, where people tend to play by the rules and want to fit, fit in. Employees are united by cooperation. Leaders emphasize shared procedures and time-honored customs. All right, so what's amazing is you go through these, listen, I'm sure many of you have had multiple jobs, and you probably have worked in, in those jobs, you've worked in different environments that one is highlighting going, oh, that sounds like this job I used to have, or that sounds like this place, or that sounds like this, and then, and then you also probably very easily can rate where we're at right now, 
and go as you go through this and saying, okay, what are we? Well, it's good to be able to, out of that, to understand and saying this is our shared behaviors. This is kind of the culture or the way that we do things around here and be able to define it is, is very helpful. All right, let's finish this up and then we'll go back and, and rate our scores. So how to design. Again, culture happens by default or by design. How to design a healthy culture. This is, this is very key in, in saying, okay, we want to intentionally head more towards this or we want to intentionally do this. On our team, we want to design culture. Uh, how do we do it? Uh, number one, we define it. Okay, which is key. You want to define. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go someplace if you haven't defined where it is you're, you're going. Okay, so you have to define it. So you need to know who you are and who you aren't. Define values and desired behaviors. Okay? We are all in. Those are, these are, we're, we make each other look good. You know, intentionality wins. Embrace grit and grace. We make better. We make it better. These are all definitions, okay, that, that are, de are definitions of where we want to go. And, and the truth is, is that we need to define it in order to get there. But there's a lot of the, you know, each one of us, when we define it, there's a lot of us who are going, ooh, that's not quite right. How do we do this? What, you know, we're, we, we, that's our end goal, but how do we, you know, we're not there yet. How do we get there? Well, that's where you get to stage number two, which is you need to refine it. Okay, so you need to define it, then you need to refine it, which means you need to remove what is off. Song of Solomon, uh, Solomon said this, it's the little foxes that, that spoil the vine, right? It's the little foxes. It's the little things. So this is, this is, this is huge, is oftentimes uh, what, it, what we tolerate becomes our standard. I say that often. Like, what we tolerate becomes our standard. So if we tolerate, you know, it's not that big a deal, behaviors that, you know, show we're not all in or show we don't make it better or if we ever go, ah, it's good enough. It's the little time that you compromise on that, right? The little compromises there that end up adding up and defining your culture. It's the same thing, which is you know, with our music teams and all the rest of it and going, if we allow people to come in unprepared, unrehearsed and all the rest of it, if we tolerate that over and over and over again, guess what's going to happen? You tolerate it for one the next person's going to go, well, I worked my butt off all week learning that part. And then I come in and, and they're not prepared. Why would I work that hard in order to do it? Because what you tolerate becomes your standard. If, you, if it's tolerated, not corrected, and you're going, oh, I don't want to cause a big scene. I don't want to go like, no, 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 this is culture. We define it. We're all in. We make it better. We, de we defined it. We need to refine it, which is meaning we remove the little foxes. They're little foxes. We identify them and what do we, what do, we do with it? So... How do we, that leads us to number three, you got to teach it. Okay, so you got to teach it. You got to teach what is expected. Okay, you got to teach the language. You got to teach the verbiage. You got to teach the behavior. And here's the key regularly. Okay, because we should, as leaders, every one of us in our teams, we should be, culture is not something that you define once, hang a poster on the wall and saying that's our thing. You have to teach it daily, weekly. Like with your teams, your huddles, you're teaching it, all, just repeating it all the time and using the same language. This is what we are. This is what we are. 
because it will drift extremely quickly. Okay, and it, uh, it's one way, so you have to teach it. And then, teaching it is not just enough. Number four is you've got to coach it. So what does coach it mean? What's, how's coach it different than teach it? Teach it is your huddle time. Coach it is, is, is the correction time. When you see them performing, then you're coaching. And coaches have an eye on, you know, they can teach the drill, teach the skills, all the rest of it, but in the, in the activity of doing the drill that you need a coach because the coach can see from a different perspective. So you can teach your host team on how we greet and how, how, what we're doing, but when you watch them do it, if there's something that you want to reward, coach it. That was amazing. That was great. If there's something you need to correct, correct it. And, and here's, here's a phrase that I want us to get into our culture of, of, of leaders in coaching culture and doing this is that if you see it, say it. If you see it, say it. So sometimes we're, we, we, we create this, this culture, this behavior where we, will, we don't want to correct you know, right on the spot. We'll talk to them a little bit later and then later it doesn't come and then it's not that big a deal. And we need to create a culture in this. This is part of coaching is if you see it, say it. If you see someone doing something right, right away. That was amazing. It means more when you're caught doing something right in the moment, it means more than when you get it immediately than when you get it later, doesn't it? Like when you get it immediately, it's like, it's like oh, that, that, was that, was, that was amazing what you just did. How you interacted, I love it. And to be specific, if you also see something that needs to be corrected, don't wait, correct it. Don't be mean about it, but, but correct it. How this, this is, and often you start the correction by saying, that's not how we do it around here. We like to... Da -da -da -da. Right, so it, that starts the language. Accountability defined is it rewards what is right, it challenges mediocrity, and it corrects what is wrong. That's accountability defined is it rewards what is right, it challenges mediocrity, and it corrects what is wrong. So when you see right behaviors, reward it. When you see mediocrity, challenge it. We, we make it better. That was good, but we make it better. Right? When you see bad behavior, correct it immediately. All right? And, and this, this is how we design culture. And this is why it, I'm saying this now is, is we, can, we can say, well, this is what we naturally are. And these are our behaviors. These are our attitudes. But we need to define very clearly the, what culture we want to create and what you're going to realize is in those eight that I gave you is that there's going to be a culture for the media team that is different than the culture for the finance team. One needs <laughs> systems, regularity, structure, the rest of it. The other one needs more creativity and freedom and, and all the rest of it. So there's going to be cultures for different teams and so someone's going to get into, the creatives are going to get into the, the finance side and go, oh, I don't fit here. Right? And they're going, well, that, there's, there's teams that are going to have different fits. But, so you need to re realize that as well. But you need to also define the culture that you want for your team. Define it. You know, refine it. Teach it. Coach it. Right? But then also with the church, this is how we do things around. This is our behaviors. These are our attitudes. This is what, and we, we're going to define it 
We have. We have culture codes. We're, we're going to refine it. We're going to remove, you know, anything that's, you know, just we're tolerating. We're going to teach it constantly, repeatedly, all the time. Like, you feel like you're a broken record and you're repeating this and you've heard this a thousand times. Give it to them a thousand and one. Like, and teach it. And then we're going to coach it. We're going to, because culture is attitudes and behaviors, we can coach in the activity. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.